Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I am here with a repeat guest, if anyone remembers, Brian Kennel. So Brian was on the show, I want to say, what was it, two or three years ago? That's uh, yeah, sadly, it's probably three now, Jan. <laughs> but also, I mean, anyways, we uh, we were catching up and got some really interesting stuff to talk about because Brian's been up to a lot since he and I last spoke. So for anyone who wasn't on that first episode, Brian is the man behind Perform Law. And he's been doing a lot of law firm consulting for the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And between that and the in-house stuff, a lot of really interesting perspectives, but wanted to bring him on today because a lot of stuff that he's been working on, I think uh, people need to hear about and very counterintuitive stuff. So without further ado, uh, let's get into it. Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. So the thing that actually ended up triggering me saying, we got to have Brian back on the show was this, this headline, which I saw in one of the sections on your site which was freeing your firm from over-reliance on Rainmakers. So do you mind telling us a little bit of background on how you guys kind of found that pain point and then what, what you meant by that? Well, what we, what we mean by it, what we mean by it more than anything else is that over time with the success of, of a Rainmaker in a firm, depending upon the size of the firm and you know, how dynamic the firm is, it becomes one of these self-fulfilling prophecies in a sense that everyone is really, really excited about the Rainmaker's success and then and and wants to support that client. And as that Rainmaker begins to grow, more and more of the firm's resources get uh, dedicated to supporting that Rainmaker's practice. And then uh, eventually, it crowds out, uh, honestly, the opportunity for anybody else to develop a book because most of the firm's resources are serving either a rainmaker or relatively few rainmakers books. And then it kind of ends up with, you know, a, a complete group of lawyers that are completely dependent upon a rainmaker or a few rainmakers for their livelihoods. And so the priorities just become about serving uh, those Rainmakers books. And so it really starts to make the firm a one-dimensional type firm. Yeah. And as far as consequences go, kind of the end story to that, it's obviously good when things are working for the Rainmaker. But I mean, I'm sure you've seen this probably some clients or other situations, like what ends up tending to happen when these things end up going sour, if people haven't experienced it before. Yeah, it's well, it's the most obvious thing is if the rainmaker is unhappy, you know, he or she leaves and then the rest of the organization is, you know, those that don't get to go are left with an organization that A, doesn't have enough business to survive and B, doesn't even know how to compete because all they've ever really done was serve these other other lawyers' clients. So that's the main thing, you know, other things that that happen or frustration sets in because maybe a you know younger lawyer comes, got a lot of talent and wants to develop a book of business and starts to sort of break away from the pack. But because of the way the compensation system works or because of the way the priorities of the, the firm are set around, you know, maintaining the Rainmakers books of business, they don't ever really 
or, or don't perceive they can ever really develop there because, again, the resources are starved and they're just not rewarded for those risks. So it just makes the firm less competitive in the long run. Yeah. And that also kind of brings something up, too, because it's it's, you know, there's the obvious yeah, okay, this guy ends up leaving, it's going to be a bad situation. But in between, there's all these situations where it's, you know, kind of too good to leave, too bad to stay, where you might have this person who's just, I mean, I I won't make the analogy to like, a, uh, I, you know, <laughs> the analogy is like bad revenue being like, you know, a tumor that's sucking in tons of resource. You obviously get stuff out of it, but maybe it's just too much. And again, I guess it could become like a tumor within an organization if it ends up going really off the rails. But those kind of shades of gray can really be stressful as far as building like an organization. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, and one of the problems you really run into is that over time people just abdicate the responsibility for marketing to the rainmakers. And, and it's not like I think rainmakers are bad or we think rainmakers are bad. Frankly, you got to have them in the most talented people with, at a certain part of it, you know, quite honestly, But at the same time, people will just say, well, you know, it's not my job really to develop business or participate in the marketing effort. That's, you know, the rainmakers do that. And so people either get frustrated or they just they just quit caring or they just don't develop their, you know, their marketing skills or participate in the marketing effort because there's no priority placed on that for them. And the rainmakers get frustrated because, frankly, they feel like they've got to carry the whole load. And I've heard rainmaker after rainmaker after rainmaker tell me, God, I wish I wasn't the only one doing this in the firm. I wish some of these other people would do it. And, you know, I've talked to many of them and I'm like, well, what are you rewarding? I mean, you know, you reward, if you're rewarding sort of conformity or, or if you're rewarding, you know, getting you know, getting the work done and serving serving the existing rainmakers clients, and you make no time or resources, and you know, in a real sense, available to these other people to develop their own books of business, and you don't even require participation in the marketing effort in any real way. You kind of, you, you know, you 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 kind of end up in in the place that's very predictable at that point, and so it just kind of gets this circular thing where. I don't like having to develop all the business of the firm, but I do develop all the business in the firm. And therefore, I need everybody to do these things to maintain my client base and which crowds out crowds out any time and resources for people developing their own client bases. And so it just goes round and round and round and round and round. Yeah, I mean, it almost sounds like kind of like a, like a bad codependent relationship or something like that, right? It's kind of weird, like yeah. <laughs> it's to mention that because that's really what it becomes, you know. Because I've seen, you know, I've just seen it so many times in the last, you know, twenty something years I've been doing this. There'll be an upstart young lawyer who's breaking out, uh, you know, worked for a rainmaker for five, six, seven, maybe even ten years, finally. Get, you know, builds a client relationship or two on their own and starts to develop the, their own book. And now the rainmakers tend to resent them because, hey, you know, you're not servicing my clients the way you used to. And I don't want any disrupt, you know, disruption in my book. And it becomes, a you know, sometimes becomes a power struggle. And over the years, you know, we've just come to the conclusion that that the whole thing is kind of in that in that sense, in that narrow sense, is set up to fail because the things that I value that make you a really, really good lawyer that I in turn can, if I'm a rainmaker, that I in turn can sell to our clients and they really appreciate are those things that I miss the most when you actually do what I say that it is I want you to do. 
and develop your own book of business. Okay, so again, it is this kind of weird sort of codependent relationship. Yeah, and to kind of like, um, I, I'm, I have to excuse, <laughs> I have to excuse myself because I've been writing a lot of copy recently, and, and uh, one of the things we've been doing is focusing on the pain a lot before we transition. But it's probably worth saying at some point that we do have uh, an answer that we're working towards with this for everyone. So I kind of want to transition to that as well. So yeah, it's like absolutely. we absolutely. have like a little bit, and that that was me 100. <laughs> percent But like, as far as, <laughs> but, uh, but like, um, basically, because so, no, so we have this situation where it's it's you know it's kind of tribal. There's this kind of maybe a little alpha situation posturing but mm-hmm. and i think on some level that's that's kind of related to the nature of, of how law firms evolve so it's like mm-hmm. we have you know it's it's kind of a it's it's in some ways rebellion of, of kind of the the traditional thing and everyone has their say in the partnership but you know transitioning to a way where we're, we're you know it's kind of ran with like more of a traditional business what do you kind of see as as far as some steps is, and and what's what's kind of the alternative and like if if people are kind of stuck in this situation where where this stuff is resonating with they 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 might be an uncomfortable rainmaker or have a situation where the rainmaker is making it stressful in the business, what's kind of the uh, light at the end of the tunnel as far as what people can expect for for kind of freeing themselves from this this sort of yeah, cycle. So- where we are now, and I think it's a tremendous opportunity right now to do this, is that you know if you take a more collaborative approach and you start from the place that in some way, everyone, every lawyer can contribute to the marketing process, to the process of bringing in work. And so if you, if you create a marketing system, which is competently managed where people have roles and responsibilities and contributions that they can make to the marketing process as, as you know, as distinguished necessary, maybe so much from the actual procurement process, which is, you know, the art of going out there and pulling together this collective effort and actually bringing some business in the door. I think if you, if you, you know, what we're starting to do and what we've been doing for the last couple of years, and which is why we have that headline on our website is, look, if you build a marketing system with marketing automation software, with roles, responsibilities, with objective expectations of people and their contribution to the marketing effort, even if it's just writing a killer blog article that then we can now repurpose and and make four or five or seven pieces of content out of it to help build the firm's brand. That is a real contribution that needs to be recognized and nurtured. Uh, You know, so there's marketing automation software, there's individual brand building that everyone should be engaged in, you know, so individual lawyers should be building an individual brand, all kind of around this firm nucleus. And then this huge contribution that everybody is making to building a firm brand. Okay. And so when you build a firm brand, it's, you, you get the uplift of the collective team. So if I am out marketing or I am trying to attract new business and the firm brand is really strong, I'm going to have a leg up in the marketing process because of the team that I'm on. If you don't spend any time building the value of the team that you're on and it's all, you know, well, we use John at this firm and we use Bob at that firm and Rebecca at that firm. If you don't spend time building, well, we use this firm and we use that firm and John and Rebecca happen to work at that firm. And by virtue of them working at that firm, you know, they must be pretty good because that firm is a really strong brand that we believe in. Or And, you know, then at that point, I don't have to be the greatest rainmaker in the world. At that point, I my 
you know, sort of the flag that I fly or the, or the firm that I'm a part of or the team that, I'm, that I've earned my way onto, you know, does 80% of the work for me in that situation. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, that's, that's a lot more of an asset too, because we've had a couple people on, on the show that are involved with people eventually exiting their practice, whether it's selling it to a partner or getting acquired or something like that. And, you know, brand equity seems a lot more transferable <laughs> than being able to have be the, the guy yourself. Right. Well, you know, and you make a good point. I mean, we do a lot of transition planning and, and it's not unusual for senior partners to say, hey, I want to transition the firm. And it's been one of these kind of rainmaker oriented type firms. And, and now, you know, I'm five years, three years from retirement. And, you know, I want to transition the firm to all of these people who never really learned how to market here. And, you know, and I want them to pay me a bunch of money for it. And we always have to be the ones to kind of disappoint them and say, you don't have the right pieces and parts. You don't have the right systems in place. You haven't built the intellectual property in the firm brand. You, you have individual equity, meaning you built, you built equity in your own brand, meaning, you know, you're, the, you're this great lawyer and all these people work with you. But when you're gone, they no longer have you. And now they have to replace you. And that's nearly impossible sometimes when you build a firm, you know, so centered on the individual brands. And it's always a disappointing conversation. You know, you know, they look at you like, you know, with that sort of blank stare. So this takes, you know, building a brand for a firm takes a number of years. But once it's built, it's, it's worth its weight in gold. Yeah. And there's a lot of things I kind of want to take apart from the last couple of answers that, that you give sure. me. But one of the things I want to kind of set as a baseline. So also to preface, and you know that I'm, I'm kind of a direct response advertising kind of tactics guy. Ooh. So a lot of the time, the brand stuff, mm-hmm. and it <laughs> it's not because it's not because I don't respect it. It's because I don't understand it. So <laughs> as far as the brand stuff, it's one of these things because to me, and, and this is just kind of my perspective of it you know when there's a good brand and you can see what a good brand does for people. But I couldn't tell you the first thing about how to get there. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of law firms, especially, and I specialize in law firms. I'm, I suspect this is true in a lot of companies, but a lot of basic people's basic understanding of a brand is their logo. You know, so they, I, they go to the marketing company or the marketing agents and they say, we need to rebrand. Okay. And the marketing agency, depending upon kind of how good they are, and, you know, there are a lot of different elements of that, will come back with sort of a new visual approach. You know, maybe the, maybe the firm's initials are reorganized around, a, you know, a circle instead of a square and then new colors. And that gives everybody this big uplift. Okay. And they, they feel like, okay, we've we rebranded and you haven't rebranded anything. You just, you just painted, you just paint, put a fresh coat of paint on it. It's really all you did. Okay. And when you're doing branding, what you're really doing is you're building this, this collection of systems and processes and results that earn you a, a symbol in the market. So the logo is really the symbol of all the value that becomes that comes before that. So it's how you handle your cases. It's how you communicate with your clients. It's how you deliver results. It's, it's how you price your services. It's the quality of the people you have working there. It's, and all of that, by the way, all of that has to be communicated in a way 
that you can bring, if you can just envision this, all of that has to be communicated in such a way that it adds up. This is the way we look at it, that it adds up to a symbol. In other words, you know, a bar of gold, if you will. Okay. You know, well, a lot went into to, to making, you know, if you think about a bar of gold in, in Fort Knox, I mean, a lot went into making it into that beautiful, finished, perfectly chiseled bar of gold. All you see is the bar of gold and you go, that's really nice. And I'd like to have it, but it's more than that. And so building a brand a lot of times is, is more than a marketing construct. Building a brand is changing the way that you do things, how you, how you interface with your clients, how you deliver services, you know, how you communicate with clients, what results you get for those clients and how those clients appreciate all that went into achieving that result for them. That's the reason brand building is, is abstract for a lot of people because they think of it from a marketing point of view and it really doesn't, it, it, it's really not, it's not really even a 50% a marketing idea. Okay. It's more of a collective idea. And in a law firm, it's about systems, processes, people, and results and how those are communicated. Yeah. This is actually blowing my mind wide open because it's kind of interesting. And I want to dig in specifically that it's, it, it does, it's almost like a brand for a law firm means something different for other, anything else. Cause for me, it's like, I think about Pepsi. I kind of know what that taste is. I can think about Coke. I know what that taste is. Right. But for, for a law firm, I mean, this is the first time I've ever heard systems and process be brought up in the context of a brand. But now that you lay it out like that, it makes so much sense because, and, you know, going back to the rainmaker thing, if your experience is dependent on, you know, the, the personal sauce that somebody's bringing to the equation, that's not something that's necessarily exchangeable to the company. So it all really goes hand in hand with how that experience of what you're setting up from the ground up actually ends up building to this reputation, like this, this representation almost. So it's, you know, it's like, it's, you know, <laughs> if I can hazard a really dumb metaphor, like it's like when you know a new word, right. It's like, what does that word mean? And it, it's, you know, how people react to it. It's, it doesn't mean anything until you make it mean something, right? Well, let me let me take you let me take the example real quick of that rainmaker. Okay, so I've worked with a lot of very successful rainmakers in my career, and on a very a very intimate level, in a sense that you know the management consult and we get deep into how these firms do what they do, and you will look at these these really good rainmakers, and I'm sure if any of them are listening, they're shaking their head because. They usually have four or five or 10 things about how they do what they do, how they deliver their service, you know, how they communicate with their clients, how they get their results. It goes right into how they take a deposition. It goes into how they posture for trial. Whatever it is they do, there are usually, a, you know, a number of things in that delivery system that they are passionate about and, and just won't tolerate, um, uh, you know, poor performance in those areas because they have learned through trial and error what works and what doesn't and what the clients are really buying. Okay. The clients, when they, when they buy from a, a lawyer, you know, the, the, it's always oversimplified. Well, they just like uh, a Jim or they just like Mary or they just like Sue because, you know, they're likable and they're affable and they could sell ice to Eskimos. And that's really unfortunate because it has really not much to do with it. Now, it helps. It certainly helps, but it's really the uniform on the player. Okay. It's not the player. It's, and so when you look behind the most successful rainmakers, you know, and I'm talking about rainmakers who are, who have consistent performance year over year with a growing book of business, 
you will find a, a number of traits in the way that they deliver their services that add up to a consistent results that their clients will, you know, come to expect and believe in and will ultimately go from, they will, you know, their clients ultimately trans, transcend from clients to promoters, you know, where these clients actually like this lawyer so much or the way this lawyer does things so much that it will, that client will actually either recommend them to another client or take them wherever that client contact goes. That's how loyal they become because it's, but it's built on not that personal relationship. Yeah, that's a part of it. But in the beginning and how the foundation of that relationship is how and what those key things are that earn that respect and move that rainmaker from just another lawyer, you know, providing, providing legal services to that little bit of special that's that's our lawyer, and and that's a lawyer we would recommend. Well, to someone else, the whole firm needs to learn how to do that. Yeah. So basically, to to sort of to recap it a little bit, it's like so we have these these rainmakers, and they have more or less a theory about what's important. And by the nature that they're becoming rainmakers, there's at least some validation from the real world that those actually happen to make a difference. Yeah. So. How do we transition? And I know you're a huge systems guy, Brian. So how do we transition from taking what might be super intangible and what these people I'm, I'm guessing probably have a hard time putting into words, even when you ask them, but how do you get that into a process that you can get into, you know, the onboarding manual for the new associate that you just hired at the firm? Well, there are a lot of good tools now. Okay. There, there are a lot of great tools that, that exist. Okay. And if you set those tools up, and let's say, for example, get a little less abstract. So what, what is a tool? Well, a tool for us is, you know, in, in a tool in a law firm is typically some kind of, one of the most popular tools in a law firm is some kind of software application. Okay. If you think of your time and billing system, that's a tool. That's a tool to help you organize all your time and get the bills out and get them paid. In the marketing space, you know, there are there are case management systems to, to help you manage the cases on a very high level and, and manage to a service level rather than trying to remember how to do, you know, remember all the stuff you did in a case and all the rest of it. Then there are marketing automation tools like, for example, HubSpot, which when proper, properly configured that when with, you know, the right tasks and priorities and strategies that, you know, when you go through, like, say, a strategic planning process, and, and you take the tasks that come out of that and you actually build them into, say, a marketing automation system, the, the associate coming in doesn't have to know anything. They just need to follow the system, okay? If they come in and they follow the system, they'll do a lot of things right. So the way we do it is, and what we try to do with the systems is we try to capture the biggest and the most important things about the, the, the communication with the clients, if, for example, if it's a marketing automation system, the communication of how good the firm's brand is to maybe potential clients, all that comes through a marketing automation system that has what's called a client relationship management system in it. And if you set those parameters up right, okay, and you put in the key, the key elements of what it takes to communicate properly with clients, what kind of content they're interested what kind of information that, you know, is a waste of their time. If you get all of that set right and you set up, so you could literally set up 
you know, specific tasks for specific people in these systems, they don't really have to know anything about it. Yeah, there's training and they can go to training and all the rest, but they really need to do is just follow the system. Right. And then as far as the system goes, I think there might be some people that are listening to that series. That sounds really awesome. I bet Brian's only talking about firms that have a thousand plus people, (laughs) but like, as far as like the range for people, I'm sure you guys have clients, like what kind of manpower do you need to get one of these things implemented? Well, honestly, uh, Jan, I mean, it's not for big, I mean, most of these are SaaS based, you know, software as a service. Now, anybody with a, with a credit card and a couple of thousand dollars a year can get one of these systems called pretty pretty effectively. A lot of them are uh, the beginnings of these systems. A lot of times they're free, you know, the, the free trials. Yeah, sure. You need help setting them up, but you can get a long way if you're a small firm and small firms actually, frankly, some of the, some of the success that we've had with this has been in the small to mid-sized firms because it's, it's less complicated. You know, they can go straight to it as opposed to when you're dealing with these large organizations, there's all these, what we call, whenever, whenever somebody starts talking to us about enterprise level decisions, we go, okay, this is going to be six months and $60,000 just before they choose a system. And rather than these smaller firms who go, okay, what's the goal? Where are we trying to get to? And tell us what we need to get and we'll sign up and let's get started. And that takes, you know, a couple of weeks. So, I think it's easier actually, Jan, and I think it's a great equalizer. You know, these marketing automation systems that are there, and and frankly, people like you who do what you do, uh, you know, for example, in in the trust and estates world where you, you know, how you're helping people, those are going to be primarily smaller firms who can take advantage of the same technology as somebody a hundred times larger than them. And frankly, they can deploy it faster and get in terms of, you know, sort of percentage increase in revenues, they can get a better result quicker. uh, So it's easier for the smaller firms. Yeah. And I'll also say this too, kind of speaking, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, my first job right out of college was actually selling IT for, um, what's referred to as a value added reseller, but I was selling into companies that had 500 plus seats, layers and layers and layers. I can definitely second on that stuff taking forever. But the other thing is it's almost like if you have a system that might've been great five or 10 years ago, it's like you almost have this organizational debt in a way because like you have a lot of inertia for something that might not be the best solution for you right now so before you can even start before you can even get to zero you have to undo all the stuff that you've gotten yourself used to your staff used to your processes all that kind of stuff too and like i think a lot of the smaller firms might even have a yeah leg up like you said as far as getting that going but um yeah, no, it's it's super interesting. I do definitely think it's an equalizer. And I wanted to kind of touch base on a couple of things that, that uh, you mentioned earlier. So one of the things that you mentioned was this concept of syndicating a piece of content where you could get one piece of content and make that go out five or six or seven ways even. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, how would you go about getting that practice set up in a, in a firm that was working with you? Well, what's really great is lawyers are, when when they write content, when they write content, they are pro- prolific, okay? So, so the average business person might write a piece of content about a thing and it's one page. Well, a lawyer will write a a piece of content about some legal issue and it might put they can burn six eight ten pages in a heartbeat i mean they just the, the words just flow and while that's really great as a body of content where let's say you do a five six page uh 
review of a pending legislation, for example, it's, it's you know, it, it, one of our clients, you know, you says it, that most of that stuff is TLDR, you know, too long, didn't read. I mean, it's there, you see it, and you may have the best intentions, but you don't have time to read five or six pieces of content. Well, I always tell the clients, look, keep generating that stuff. Build your build your encyclopedia or your own Google, for example, you know, your big body of information. Let's get it out there. Let's let Google know that you have interesting things to say on this, important things to say on this. Then trained properly, your marketing people can come behind and take that content and start to slice it and dice it and, and make it into more digestible pieces that clients will read without changing the quality of it, without changing the, the substance of it, just breaking it up saying, and there are people who can special, it's not that hard. I mean, we actually have someone doing that for us. He just goes through our blog and says, hey, here's an opportunity. What do you think about this? And now when you do that, so you'll have a copywriter will come in, you know, read maybe a long piece and say, okay, this is too long for anybody to really read, but here's some really important points. And then I create a piece and I send it to that lawyer and go, hey, can this go out as a standalone piece as a part of this that we can refer then back to the longer article if they want to really get into it. And so now that lawyer who, who for example, the, you know, generated the piece of source content is now no longer a content generator, but an editor. And it's a lot easier to be an editor than it is to be a content generator. So, so when you really just stop and think about it, you can get your younger people generating a lot of content, incredible contribution to the marketing process. You can have your more senior people editing that content, and then you can have your marketing people packaging that content. And it goes out and you can take one piece of content. You may be able to create a checklist from it, an infographic from it, a do's and don'ts from it, top 10 list from it. You can create probably five, I could think of five, six, seven things. You could do a podcast on that piece of content. You could, you know, you could do a little webinar on that content. Anything, anything you can think of, if you've got the basic piece of content, okay, the basic body of knowledge, then you can deliver that content in six, seven, eight different ways. You're giving me another aha moment right now, Brian, because it's kind of interesting. Like I've seen, it's it's all it's pretty rare to see in the wild or somebody. And we had a guy, Russell Knight, a little, uh, you know, a few podcasts back, and this guy's a content machine. But the thing is that he he just happened to luck out and be a triple threat because he likes writing, he's good at it, he understands the promotion aspect, and he's kind of a one size he saw. And I think it's very rare to see that in the legal space these days because. People don't happen to have that skill set as a default, but what you're saying is, I think, a lot more accessible for firms because you don't need to have that triple threat to make the strategy works. When you're splitting it out into the different systems, or sorry, the different um, when you're splitting it out into the different roles, it's like you got a little assembly line there, which is perfect because it's more easy to find somebody who has one of those skill sets than all three at the same time. No, it, it's. And, and, and if you really stop and think about it, the triple threat is great, okay? But that's a superstar. That's a rock star. That's kind of gets you into that. Well, as long as we have you generating content, we're great. And that kind of gets back into that whole, that whole reliance on just one person because they're really, really talented. If, if, you don't, if, you, if you think of this more as a collaborative effort, like, hey, I like writing really long, detailed pieces on thorny legal problems. Great. That's your contribution. You are the foundation. Okay. We're going to take that 
and we're going to build that. We're going to build from that. We can live off that piece of content if you want to think about it that way for a really long time. Each person, you know, literally there is huge value in generating the original piece, right? But then there's huge value in somebody coming in and editing it and saying, you know, it's a really good piece. It It's probably a little too deep for, you know, for where we're going to position it, but let's take it and let's make it this. And then somebody comes along and says, man, that's fantastic. Now let's polish it a little bit and boom, there it goes. And then you talk about your, you know, then you consider your distribution channel. So it's really a team effort. It starts with a good foundation, but once you have your, once you get to critical mass, I mean, think of it this way, you know, our blog right now, for example, is almost a critical mass. We can always add more stuff to it, but the way that I define getting your blog to critical mass is, when you can hire somebody to go through your blog and, and pitch marketing ideas to you based on what you've already done, okay? And so I can literally have people that are, you know, I, that, that know what they're doing, copywriting, can go through the, a blog and they can look at the blog and say, this is a really great article and this is the way I would pitch you, you know, repurposing this. This is how I would pitch you promoting this and you can decide whether you wanna do it or not. The point I'm trying to make getting back to our global point that you have to take this approach to marketing where it's a team effort, where it requires a lot of disciplines, but, but or, or a lot of approaches to it, but it is rather than, hey, I just hope, you know, Bob or Sue or Jim brings in a whole lot more business next year because we're slowing down, you know? I mean, that's the alternative. Yeah. And I got to say, as far as like a lot of the concepts that keep coming up, in my opinion, it's like you have a very asset building approach when it comes to a lot of the recommendations you've been making, Brian, because it's like, as opposed to, like you said, yeah, let's hope Bob brings in some new business. There's this kind of, and I, I know people in, in other contexts have used the word churn or treadmill before. And it's like, you know, there's, there is kind of focusing on what you're going to eat tomorrow, but all of the, a lot of the stuff that you're recommending I was just thinking of that idea as far as my own business as well as there's, you know, <laughs> could people actually pitch me on the content that we've done so far? And that would be such a great asset to have. It's the same thing with the systems. It's the same thing with the processes. And that ends up ultimately being what, you know, creates value in a law firm or any business really. Yeah. And then that agreed, agreed. And it's that collective because, because law firms sell information. That's, that's really all that any of us have to sell. And so, you know, the more you're, you're, you know, more you build that effective library of information where if, if you're like me or half of our clients, you know, someone will show you a piece of content and you'll go, I really agree with that. I like it. They go, yeah, you wrote it two and a half years ago. And you're like, <laughs> you know, you're, and the point is, I don't want to over, I don't want to oversimplify this to say that this is sort of a content marketing play. The content in a sense if you think about a really good piece of content that you're able to market, and whether it's a webinar or whether it's a podcast like we're doing now, or it's a blog article, or it's an infographic or a checklist, that's the culmination of the quality of the brand, right? That's the culmination of a whole lot of work that went into that. So you had a quality, you had a quality lawyer who sat there, or a quality team of lawyers who sat there and figured out, you know, how are we going to approach this? How are we going to approach this legal issue? And how are we going to write on this legal issue? And what do we have to say about this legal issue? Then you have another group that says, wow, this is really, really good. But uh, you know what? It's going to be really difficult for the clients to digest. Um, you know, what they're really more interested in is how this impacts X, Y, and Z. And so you have this sort of collaborative effort that goes down the line. 
but it's really the combination of the quality of your brand. Okay. Cause if you can't, if you can't communicate on these levels, you know, have good things to say and have, and have this and have systems to communicate that with your clients and have some, and have a team, whether that's an outsource team where you have somebody in house or, you know, there are lots of different creative ways to do that. If you don't have all of those elements, you're just not going to market very well. You're going to be more reliant on talent-based marketing. I mean, think of it, think of it like a, you know, a team of, you know, a sports team that has just a lot of really good or a few really good players. And as long as they're in the game, we're going to win as opposed to men, you know, not any single person over there is more talented than the next. They just do a really good job together. Yeah. And that's the dream. And it's like, I, I've made this joke before on like internal team calls. It's like, I think I love everyone on our team so far, but it's like, I want to write SOPs to the, to the standard where if somebody shows up and they got hit by a bat before they sit down with their laptop, they're able yeah. to execute in a different way. <laughs> Yeah. And, and then when it gets into transition planning and as you said, asset based, you know, kind of approaches to this, meaning, you know, you, you get into tra- transition planning or, you know, you're sitting there in some rainmaker, you're, you know, you're trying to bring in some rainmaker because you think you need you need that to pay the overhead in the firm. And basically you're cutting a deal with somebody who wants pretty much every penny that they're contributing to the firm back in compensation. And you're like, man, we're going to have to cut this person a deal because, and then all of a sudden, if you cut that deal, then pretty much everybody who works there is going to want to redo their deal. And you just keep going around and around and around and around and around, which is a very popular way of doing it. We're just kind of sitting there going, Hey, you know what? Why don't you just build a really good team? Okay. Why don't you get yourself off this over-reliance on superstars? I mean, those are important and those are there and you certainly want them, but, but would much rather have, you know, a superstar on a really good team than relying on a superstar to make the team. Okay. And it's just a change in focus and it's a willingness to invest and it's a willingness to hold people accountable and to really train them from the minute they come to law school, you know, from law school to you or early in their career that there is a responsibility to building this brand for the firm and rewarding them for that, I think is, is way better. And I think in the future is, is frankly the only way law firms are going to survive. Yeah. I definitely can't top as, as the, that bring everything full circle. Like I think you really just put a cherry on top with summarizing the entire conversation we just had right now. And it really does build towards that one thesis. And again, we didn't even get to talk about, you know, why this is more important now than ever that the uh, steak dinners as a, as a strategy is not long, <laughs> no longer on the table, but um, yeah, thanks again so much for coming on to talk about that on the show today, Brian, for anyone who's, this is resonating with, if you're that person who is, you know, like I said, <laughs> a beleaguered rainmaker or in the company of one, what's the best way for, for uh, somebody to go ahead and get in touch? So Brian at performlaw.com, B-R-I-A-N at P-E-R-F-O-R-M-L-A-W.com. Go out to our website, which is performlaw.com. There are are a million forms out there. You can just fill out one of those depending on what you're interested or how you'd like to engage. I'd like to also offer, uh, if you'll go to our website, you will see uh, a real rich array of content from ebooks to infographics to blog posts to tools and resources uh, of all the stuff it's all free you can have this you can have it and we're not even going to harass you by calling you up and trying to sell you something if you download it we'd love to love to get your input on our content 
Okay, awesome. And I also say this too. Um, I subscribe to Brian's newsletter, which is fantastic. So I would definitely get on that as well. All right. So Brian, thanks again, man. It's always great to have you back. I think these are really important words for this time and for law firms in general. So um, yeah, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, Jan. All right. And for the rest of us, we will be back next week with another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast, Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 